for joining us again. This is the Salted Caramel Podcast. This is where we get to show God's work in all of our parishioners, and then they get to show it to everybody else. It's basically a big show and tell podcast. That's what we're going to rename it. Salted Caramel, the show and tell. Yep. TM branded right there. My name is David Cook. I am the stewardship director at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And with me is the dazzling Jody Curtis. Jody, who is our guest today? Our guest today is Emily Sipes. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Our Lady of Mount Carmel? Um, I am the wife of the ever helpful IT director, Troy Sipes. And the mom of first grader Oliver, and then we have a two-year-old at home, um, Tessa, and I, during the day, I'm actually the director of operations at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in northern Hamilton County, um, and then in the evenings, mom and wife um, to Troy and to Oliver and Tessa. I'm sure sometimes you're still director of operations in the evening. <laughs> oh, it's a 24-7 job. Oh, man. Well, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, or do you remember a time before you concretely said yes to God, had a personal relationship with him? I don't remember it really what life was like before Christ, because Christ was always a part of my life. I was, I'm a cradle Catholic, um, grew up in a very similar home to what my children are growing up in with having a parent or parents working for the Catholic church. Um, my mom was the director of religious education for over 20 years at my home parish. And so working for and being a part of the Catholic church was just part of our life. Um, mass on Sundays and things during the week. Um, so I really don't remember when Christ was not part of my life. Sure, I can remember when I was bored during Mass. I can remember um, getting kind of swatted at by my mom for not paying attention during Mass, um, things like that, things I do to my own kids now. Um, but I don't really remember a time without Christ in my life and in my family's life. Well, I am just surprised that you're bored during Mass. I, for one, have not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there That's were a awesome. few times. There were a few times, a handful of times, I guess. Yeah, only a handful, yes. of course. Yes. <laughs> Emily, was there a time in your life when faith or Jesus Christ took on a more important role for you or kind of took you to the next level? Yes, I can remember very distinctly. It was the summer before my sophomore year of high school. Um, I had the opportunity to attend One Bread, One Cup at St. Minerid, which is a youth liturgical formation program. It's five days um, on the Holy Hill of St. Minerid in Southern Indiana. I really didn't know what I was getting into when I agreed to go. I was kind of a youth group kid. Um, and so again, growing up in the church, youth group was just something that you did. Um, and so I went with three other high school students. I can see that I have not stayed in touch with them, but I can picture them in my mind and our youth minister. And that week changed my life. Um, you know how when you have a very distinct memory or something in there, you know, or smells or sounds or things that bring all of that back. Um, very much for me that those five days at St. Minerid um, 
are that concrete experience for me. I remember coming home from that um, and proudly wearing my One Bread, One Cup t-shirt and wondering why no one else had had the experience that I did. I can remember not wanting to leave. Um, And it was at that time that I really truly experienced the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I understood what mass was about. Um, I was no longer bored in mass. um, And I could fully participate in mass and get something out of it. And that experience then really changed the course for the rest of my life. Looking back now, without that experience, I wouldn't be where I am today. Nice. Wow. How old were you? You might have mentioned I was it, but... probably 15, going to be 16. Wow. So I am an older birthday. I'm a September birthday. So I was always the oldest in my class. So I think I was 15 getting ready to turn 16. Gotcha. Did you find it hard to be so invested in your faith, but then go back to high school when nobody else was? Sure. Oh, for sure. And I can remember from that moment on, I didn't say no to other experiences um, related to youth group, related to retreats and things like that. Now, nothing ever lived up to that experience until later on in life, but it was something that I knew I had been changed. I don't would not call it a conversion um, experience. I would call it an encounter with Christ um, because I was not converting from something. I was more encountering Christ. Did you think at, at that time or early, even in college, that you would end up working for the church? Oh, heavens no, I did not. <laughs> um I set out on a path to, I knew I wanted to help people. As far as what that entailed, I did not think it would be working for the church. It wasn't until my sophomore year of college after my mom um, was diagnosed with cancer and passed away very quickly afterwards that I thought, okay, I feel not only the true presence of Christ in church, obviously, but then I felt very tied to her working, you know, being in church and I started volunteering more and helping with things and, um, but stayed on the track to become a social worker, um, was going to go on for my master's in social work after graduating. And then my senior year of college, it made sense to me that I would go on to work for the church and I only applied for youth ministry jobs. Um, But during that time, I also took a job at St. Minard and worked for St. Minard in a professional capacity as the director or associate director of One Bread, One Cup for my junior and senior year of college. So I had that experience and thought, okay, I can do youth ministry. Um, There wasn't a full-time position available at St. Minard. Otherwise, I would have jumped on that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I went on to work on the east side of Indianapolis for three years. Um, and youth ministry before moving to the Carmel area. So, um, yes, my that path, I think, was set forth for me. But did I think that that is what was going to happen? No, I didn't. Um, but here I am, 15 years later, still working for the Catholic Church. Yeah, <laughs> full of regrets, right? Oh, no, yes. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. 
That's awesome. So you'd say your life uh, in Christ is what? What is it? How is it drastically different from that youth group experience? There's really not a huge difference other than I've continued to stay true to my Catholic faith. And I've learned um, that once I was finished with those experiences or finished um, with the sacraments, you know, receiving confirmation and the other sacraments that it was a continuation. It's a continuation. It's not an end. And it's, you know, learning about my faith constantly. I am a self-admitted church nerd. Um, <laughs> and I can, you know, I know a lot of different random history things and a lot of different things about the faith. Um, and that was something that was valuable as a youth minister and is now valuable as a mom. Oliver shared with me that he wasn't really sure that he knew a whole lot about the saints. And I said to him, oh, I can fix that for you. <laughs> and so now we listen to the Saint of the Day podcast, a little blurb. It's a little one minute thing from Franciscan Media on the way to school. And then I'll share with him the random facts I know about saints that I've learned over the years. And I think he might regret ever telling me he didn't know enough <laughs> about the saints. Um, but it's just, it's things like that. And I'm constantly sharing things with Troy. He'll say, um, well, did you know about this? And I was like, yeah. And did you know that's because this and this and this and this? And he was like, I asked you one question. That's not what I was looking for. Um, so it's just, I know random things about our faith and um, enjoy sharing that with other people. Nice. Nice. Emily, I'm curious, if I were to come visit your home, would I know that a Catholic family lived there? Absolutely, you would. Um, I remember having a conversation with a former coworker about um, if somebody came into your house, would they know you were Catholic? If you stepped into our house, there is no doubt you would know we were Catholic. Um, sometimes I kind of get teased about it because it's, you know, Troy will say, this is not a museum. This is not a church. Um, we have a whole wall of crosses um, that all have meaning. Um, they're not just random ones I've bought at Hobby Lobby. Um, they've all come from special places or from special people. Um, and we also have a prayer board in the kids' playroom. And we put special intentions, um, special intentions for other people. We put people on the prayer board, our family's intentions. Um, I would quickly say that every room of the house, you would know that a Catholic family lived there. Um, both kids have crosses um, above their beds that have special meanings. Um, the one above Oliver's bed was given to us by... My friend, Father Anthony, who is a monk of St. Minard, it's the cross he gave us on our wedding day. He was the principal celebrant for our wedding. And so that's above Oliver's bed. Um, the cross from my mom's casket um, is above Tessa's bed. Um, mm. Now she might eventually be kind of freaked out by that, um, but it holds special meaning. <laughs> it's also a St. Minard Arch Abbey um, casket cross um, above her. I love it. That's awesome. So 
I mean, I think we're kind of already hearing it a little bit of teaching things about the church, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, what gifts do you think the Lord has given you to help evangelize others? I had to really, you know, I have to think about this question and um, I think my gift of and charism of hospitality that was definitely learned at my time at St. Meinrad. Um, St. Meinrad, the saint himself, is the martyr of hospitality. If you don't know much about St. Meinrad, although we just had Father Dennis at Mount Carmel, who is the president and rector of St. Meinrad School of Theology, um, look up St. Meinrad and why he is the martyr of hospitality. Um, because of that, and my Benedictine you know, draw to the Benedictine charism of hospitality. Um, I think it's making people feel warm and welcome. Um, and that allows them to feel comfortable enough to share their faith. And for me to feel comfortable to share my faith, um, I'm constantly thinking about how can I invite people, um, whether here to my place of work or here to my home, um, here to the parish, here, you know, to wherever, how do I um, exhibit the hospitality um, piece of it? I've even caught myself when I serve lunch duty in the school cafeteria at Mount Carmel, if a child asks for a fork or spoon, I don't just bring them a fork or a spoon. I wrap that fork or spoon in a napkin because that's what that's what I do. That's hospitality. You know, I'm not just going to hand them something. And Troy was in the cafeteria. I served lunch duty last week. And he's like, what are you doing? And I, they asked for a fork or a spoon. And he was like, they didn't ask for a napkin. I was like, but I know they need a napkin. That's just an example of, you know, my charism of hospitality. I want everyone to feel warm and welcome and taken care of. I love it. I love it. And Emily, how are you becoming a better disciple or as we like to call it, staying salty? Um, I think just continuing to learn about um, our Catholic faith. Um, having children has definitely opened me up to a whole new realm of our Catholic faith, um, calling upon and bettering my relationship with the Blessed Mother has definitely been a part of that. Um, I, prior to becoming a mother, would not say I had a very solid relationship with her or devotion to her. Um, but now that I'm a mother, for sure, um, that has definitely um, strengthened. But it's just knowing things. Oliver is very, very inquisitive. And so I feel like I always have to stay one step ahead of him um, because he asks a lot of questions in regards to mass and our faith and why we do what we do. Um, and so, you know, he's stumped me a few times. And because of that, I know it's only going to get um, harder as he gets older. And so always being willing to learn about our faith or to revisit something that I think I might already know a lot about. I always am surprised that, you know, maybe I didn't think about this gospel reading or this 
first reading or second reading from math this way, but looking at it a little bit differently now that I'm hearing it from through the ears of a mother. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, on that kind of same vein of learning the faith and uh, advancing it, who would you say is some of your greatest faith influencers? For sure, my mom. Um, you know, she's been gone now almost 18 years, but she really laid the foundation. And I don't think I realized that um, before she passed away, but she really laid a very strong foundation um, in me to have a desire to serve and work um, for the church. Again, back in college, I would not have said that I was going to work for the church, Um, but she really established that. Um, All of the monks that I worked with at St. Meinrad, but my friend Father Anthony in particular, um, really has challenged me. Um, We've been friends for a really long time, and he's really challenged me um, to live out my faith and continue to live out the Benedictine charism of hospitality and um, take care of the people around me Um, and my family. I mean, Troy and Oliver and Tessa, you know, they're always, you know, drawing me a little bit closer to the faith. Um, We, Troy really challenged us when the churches were shut down during COVID um, to pray a daily rosary and to live that out in our faith. And so I think, the three of them are my daily constant reminders and um, examples of faith. Um, but, you know, my mom and Father Anthony also, for sure. Nice. Nice. David, I'm going to take a lesson from Oliver as our call to action today and uh, encourage people all of our listeners to be inquisitive about our faith and to ask questions and take opportunities to to learn more. I love Emily's suggestion. I had not heard of this before. Uh, There's a podcast, a quick podcast with the saint of the day. So that could be one way to learn additional information about our faith as well, too, whether it's that podcast or uh, certainly they're all listening to the Salted Carmel podcast, but maybe other Catholic podcasts as well. Uh, Before we move on to end the the podcast, I have to take this opportunity to take a a cheap shot at Troy uh, and ask you, Emily, what is the worst part about being married to Troy? (laughs) (laughs) You have to really think out your ideas. Otherwise, it's going to happen and it's going to happen quick. Like if you just mention something in passing, he's already doing it. Like (laughs) example, I said, I think that bush in the front of our house needs to come out. I was gone for 20 minutes and it's gone. Oh, (laughs) so you really have to think through if you're going to request his help for something, you need to be sure it's what you want to do. Because he's going to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's good, good or bad. I mean, I yeah. have learned in seven years of marriage that I have to think through my ideas before I even mention it to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to get trash, and you kind of just complimented him. So you're a good wife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to end us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Dear Lord, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for Emily. Thank you for our, all our listeners who made time to hear the story. Uh, we ask that they all may grow in their uh, thirst for knowledge, grow in their thirst for you, that they may continue to learn more about the church, but continue to be hospitable in their nature to others and to everyone, whoever they cross paths with, that through Emily's story and through her gifts, that they may share their faith, share their life with others, strangers, friends, and family. We ask this all in your name as we pray. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And for all of our listeners today, stay salty.